Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Uh, So as we continue our series today, what we're basically doing is taking popular love songs and we're uh, deconstructing them to some degree to really get to the lies that so many love songs perpetrate. Um, and we see these over and over and over. And the song we looked at today uh, was a song called Photograph by a guy named Ed Sheeran. And uh, there's a couple things in there that I, I think are so interesting. In, in the, uh, the chorus, he says, So you can keep me inside the pocket of your ripped jeans, holding me closer till our eyes meet. You won't, ever wait, uh, you won't ever be alone. Wait for me to come home. And then just a little bit later, he says, and if you hurt me, that's okay, baby. Only words bleed. Inside these pages, you just hold me, and, you, and I won't ever let you go. Wait for me to come home. And this, this phrase, I won't ever let you go, it's a popular phrase. It's a popular sentiment in pop culture, in songs, in movies. And there's something deep within us that, wants that. We want a relationship that we won't ever be let go. In fact, one of the most famous instances of this line being spoken were actually in a a pretty popular movie uh, a few years ago called Titanic. Does anybody remember that movie? A few of you? If you haven't seen the movie, I'm just going to spoil it for you. The the boat sinks. (laughs) Leonardo DiCaprio dies at the end, okay? So, um, it, but, but there's this scene where the boat sinks and Rose and Jack are in, in the, the frigid North Atlantic and she is laying on this big door and she has a life preserver on and, and Jack is bobbing up and down in the water like a cork and he is slowly freezing to death and, um, and there's a scene where they're holding hands. And by the way, the door is plenty big for both of them. So it doesn't really matter what she says. At the end, he dies, and she stays on the door and lives. Not cool, Rose, okay? I'm just saying. All you had to do is scoot over. Just scooch over eight inches and let him get on the door with you, and everybody would live happily ever after, but no. So she's holding his hand, and every time they cut back to him, there's more and more ice built up on him. By the end, he looks like Frosty the Snowman. And so he's freezing to death, turning blue, and she says these words to him, Jack. I'll never let you go. I'll never let you go, Jack. And then do you know what she does? She lets him go (laughs) into the frigid, icy North Atlantic while he drifts down a frozen popsicle, right? And he drifts away. She says, I'll never let you go, Jack. And I'm like, lady, you just let him go, right? What are you talking about? And what she's saying, it's like a metaphor. I'll never let you go. In my heart, I'll always have you. But what Jack needed wasn't her to have him in her heart. What Jack needed was for him to be had on the door, right? Like, that's what he needed. And what we see here is this, this hyperbole, I'll never let you go. And we hear that and we want that. And we go, oh, yes. Yes, I want a love that I'll never be let go. I want a love like Ed Sheeran talks about where he says, you won't ever be alone, um, it's interesting because in this song he says, you won't ever be alone, and then the next line is, wait for me to come home. It's like, wait a second, how do we reconcile these things? And what he's saying in this song is, hey, I'm not going to be around very much, so what we can do is take this picture back when things used to be good with us, and you can remember how good things used to be. Um, 
And nostalgia lies to us sometimes. Sometimes we think about the good old days and we forget how bad the good old days were. Um, I heard a story about a man and a woman that had been married a long time, and he said, honey, do you remember how happy we were 40 years ago? And she said, honey, we've only been married 35 years. And he said, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) See, sometimes we misremember, and what Ed Sheeran is saying is, hey, we can idealize the past, and we can snap this picture of it, and that's how you can have me with you is with this picture. But how many of you know that's no good? Right? If you've ever been in a broken relationship or a relationship that had distance or maybe you've lost a loved one, you still got pictures, but pictures don't matter. I don't need the picture. I want the person. And what Ed Sheeran is saying is, hey, if you've got the picture, that's the next best thing. That's really, really good. So he says, you just hang on to this picture and it's just like having me there. I'll never leave you except when I leave you. Right? You'll never be alone except when... I'm not there, which is going to be regularly, right? And what we long for, I think, deep in our hearts and deep in our soul is a relationship, is a love that truly will never let us go, that will truly uh, never allow us to be alone. That's what we want. So many times we get into relationships thinking our, our marriage will be that. Uh, so many times we get into relationship friendships and we think, okay, this friendship is going to allow me to never feel alone. But at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't matter how big a group you are in. It doesn't matter how seemingly healthy your marriage is. You can still feel alone in a marriage. You can still feel alone in a group. Uh, psychologists say that, that at least 25% of all adults deal with loneliness, feelings of loneliness, at least twice a month. And it doesn't mean that that you're gripped by that, but you at least feel that you're alone at least twice a month. Uh, It says the statistics are actually much higher for teenagers uh, and for college students, that they deal with loneliness at a higher percentage. And loneliness impacts our lives in big ways. It's not just a feeling, but it impacts us in other ways. The effects of loneliness and the fear of being alone can lead to things like anxiety, panic attacks, phobias, depression, Uh, increased rates of suicide attempts, increased rate of drug and alcohol usage and addiction. And it also also spurs on the onset of acute and chronic illnesses as well. So what we see is the feelings that we have of loneliness actually lead to real tangible results in our lives, real consequences in our lives. And so what we have to do is understand that Those feelings are feelings, and those feelings are valid, but at the end of the day, they aren't necessarily true. Because like I said, I can be in a group of people and not feel loved. I can be in a group of people and not feel seen or valued and feel totally alone. So those feelings are valid, but what we want to do is shift reality and help you see that although you may feel abandoned by people in your life and relationships in your life, at the end of the day, if you're in relationship with Jesus Christ, we're in relationship with someone who will never leave us or forsake us, is what we see, and we're going to get into that right now. What you have to know is every relationship in your life is temporary. We don't like to say that. That is um, difficult at times, but I've told our staff, uh, the relationships that we have with people in our church are seasonal because some people, they're going to be here for a while and then they're going to move. They're going to get transferred. Some people are going to love our church for a while and then they're going to get upset about something and they're going to disappear and we'll never see them again. Uh, some people, um, unfortunately, uh, they, they're going to be here for a long time, but at some point, 
we expire on this earth. I've told people before, I want to be a pastor here a long time, but there's going to be a pastor of this church after me. So even if I stay here till I die, there's going to be somebody that pastors this church after I do. So even your relationship with me as a pastor is temporary. My wife, I love her deeply and passionately. I'm grateful for my wife. But at some point, according to actuary tables, um, I'm going to die before she will. And so our relationship will end. Now, it's interesting because in your marriage vows, it doesn't say, I'll love you for eternity. What do you say? Till death do us part, right? So I can't make any promises that I'm going to love for eternity. Do you know why? Because I'm not eternal. My, my spirit is, but my physical person is not. So I'm going to love my wife till I die. And at that point, I hope she marries rich. <laughs> <laughs> That's my hope for her. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, that says this. The writer of Hebrews says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And this is a common sentiment in the Old Testament, and we're bringing this into the, in the New Testament as well. But what we see here is this idea that the people of Israel, the Jewish people, knew what God had said. And God had said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And these two words are important because the word leave here, uh, it means to give up. So what God is saying to his people is, I will never give up on you. You're never going to get to the point that I just go, I can't help them anymore. I'm done. I'm never going to quit on you. And so many of us have been in relationships where we felt like somebody quit on us. Well, if we'd have just worked a little harder, if we'd have gone a little farther, but they gave up. And God says, I'm never going to do that. The second word here, forsake, it means to leave helpless or totally abandoned. And what we see here is there have been times in my life that I felt like God was forsaking me, but in hindsight, I realized he wasn't forsaking me. I felt like he was totally abandoning me or leaving me helpless, but in hindsight, I realized that was not the case at all. But we all feel like that at times where we go, God, do you see my situation? Do you know what I'm dealing with? And the truth is God does see your situation. He knows what you're dealing with. And just because there's a pause in your story doesn't mean the story's ending. It just means there's a pause. You might feel like it's over with, but I'm telling you, it's not over with. God is not going to totally abandon you or leave you helpless. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, we see the sentiment again. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. So again, we see this promise in the Old Testament. In Joshua, Joshua is about to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. And Moses had died, and it's Joshua's turn to lead, and he'd never done that before. He'd always been the vice president. He'd always been the number two man. And so all of a sudden, he's in charge, and you have to believe that he was a little bit nervous. No matter how much of an alpha male leader he was, he had to feel a little bit of trepidation about what was about to take place because he's leading millions of people into the promised land to reclaim the promise that they've been looking forward to for hundreds of years. And so God is having this conversation with him in Joshua 1.5 and he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, Joshua, listen, I'm asking you to do something really important, but guess what? You're not going to do it alone. I'm going to be with you the whole time. And God asks us to do important things all the time. He challenges us to, to step out of our comfort zones and into places where we are uncomfortable and that it might be a little bit dangerous, but he says, I'm going to be with you the whole time. Psalm 37, 28 says, For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. 
In Isaiah 42, 16, uh, we'll read 16 and 17, but he says, I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. Verse 17 says, when the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. So what he says is, in your greatest time of need, when you feel blind and you don't know which direction to go, I'm going to lead you in paths that you don't even see, that you don't even recognize. When you feel like the lights are totally out and things are dark and you can't tell what you need to do next, he says, I'm going to flip on the light switch for you. I'm going to help you see where you need to go. When you feel like the ground before you is rough and difficult and challenging, he says, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to make it smooth for you to help you get to where you need to be. He says, if if you're parched and thirsty, if you feel like you're in need, I'm going to provide exactly what you need. Because he says, I am a God that will not forsake you. In fact, it's so important that he says this twice in these two passages of Scripture. I will not forsake you. I am not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you in a place where you're totally helpless. This is the God we serve. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Uh, Other versions say, an ever-present help in time of need. I'm thankful that that's the God we serve. Because we are in need a lot, aren't we? (laughs) And God is ready to respond to the cries of his children. Have you ever been at like a public pool before? And you can recognize the cry of your child. Just something about it. You can hear your child above all the other clatter and noise and splashing and children screaming. You know your child. Our Heavenly Father knows his children. When he hears the cry, he responds. Matthew 28, Jesus is uh, giving his, his farewell address to his followers. And he says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I love this because we referred to this earlier, but God says uh, through through Jesus to his followers, Jesus says, listen to this, guys. Uh, You are my plan to reach the world. You're going to do it. I'm going to ask you to go to all far-flung corners of the globe and make raise up disciples. That's what you need to do, guys, okay? But you're not going to do it by yourself. I'm not asking you to go alone. I'm going to be with you the entire time. In fact, in the message version, it says this, I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day right up to the end of the age. So he says, guys, I need you to do this for me. I'm, I'm going on, but I need you to go and make disciples, but I'm going to be with you the whole time. This had to be somewhat comforting. If you've got kids, maybe you've experienced this. When my girls were little and they were learning to ride bikes, and you get to that point where you take the training wheels off. It's a big day when the training wheels come off. If you've experienced that. Uh, it was funny. My girls were really excited until they started, and then they weren't as excited, right? Because <laughs> they were like, this is a little harder than I thought it was because we took the training wheels off. But one of the things we did is we had the, we had the helmet and the elbow pads and the knee pads, right? We were ready for a crash because... Crashes are inevitable, 
It's going to happen. And so what we do is we get out there in the street, and uh, I would say, okay, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with you the whole time. I'm going to be right with you, okay? And so we'd start off, and I'd have one hand on the handlebars, and I'd have one hand on the seat right behind them. And so I would run alongside the bike, and we'd be running along, and they'd be pedaling. And as they would get some momentum up, and they would be moving in the right direction, they'd get some confidence. I'd take my hand off the handlebars, and they'd go, no, 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 don't let it go, don't let it go. And I'd go, baby, I still got you. I still got you. I got my hands on the seat, all right? Okay, I still got you. You're not going, okay, okay, all right, right? And they keep pedaling, they keep pedaling, they keep pedaling. They get a little farther, and as they built up momentum and confidence, I, I might let my hand go. And they would go, no, 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 right? Stop, stop. What they're saying is, don't let me go. I need you by me, because if you're not by me, I'm gonna crash. So I'd keep running with them and Say, no, 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 I got you. I'm right with you. I'm right with you. I'm right with you. The more confidence they built up, finally, they'd get ahead of me, and I'd have to stop and let them ride. And they'd have to turn, and they would crash, and I'd have to go over there. <laughs> <laughs> and inevitably, they would crash, because you know crashes are going to happen. And I would run over to my baby girl, and I'd pick my daughter up, and I would say, it's okay, it's okay. I got you. I'm here. Don't worry, right? And this is what our Heavenly Father does. See, he, he asks us to do things that are challenging. He asks us to do things that are difficult. He asks us to do things that are beyond us so he can come alongside us and he can help stretch us and develop us and take us to a level that we didn't even know we could get to. And, and as we get there, we're terrified and go, what if and what if and what if? But at the end of the day, he comforts us by saying, I'm with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not gonna abandon you. So yes, I'm asking you to do something that's terrifying, but guess what? I'm gonna be with you the whole way. My hand is on the handlebar. My hand is on the seat. I got you. And this is what we have to understand when it comes to our Heavenly Father. See, um, God will never abandon us. Um, And I'm thankful for that. Um, you may be here today and you feel like you've been abandoned, but I just want you to know you haven't been. We'll get into more of the hows and whys in just a second. Um, there's a passage I want to read to you. It's in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, and this is from the New America Standard Version. It says, a man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And this is a great passage, and if you've been in church you, you probably understand that the, uh, the psalmist here, or the, the writer of Proverbs here, is, is talking about God, okay? This is before Jesus, so he, he didn't, Jesus wasn't on his radar, but he's talking about God. God is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And, and this passage is interesting because if you look at these words, um, friends in the first line and friend in the second line, they're not the same word. They're very different words, in fact. The, the first word here for friends uh, it's rea in the Hebrew uh, language, and it means it can mean friend, but it also means companion, or it could just mean another person. So <laughs> a man with too many friends, meaning maybe it's a friend, but maybe it's just somebody that happens to be a companion to you, walking alongside you, or maybe it's just another human being. They come to ruin is what it says. Actually, the word for ruin can be translated as broken to pieces. And then it says, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And the word friend here is, is very different than 
the word friends. It's uh, Ahab in the Hebrew, and it's spelled like Captain Ahab from Moby Dick, A-H-A-B. Uh, and the word Ahab is such a rich word. Um, there are, we've talked about the, the words for love in the Greek, uh, but this word Ahab in the Hebrew means love, but it is so rich and, and full that it, you take all the, the four principal key words for love in the Greek, and really you can combine that into the Hebrew word Ahab. Because um, there's Eros, which is uh, an erotic sexual love or romantic love that you might have for someone. Uh, the, the storge love, phileos, brotherly love, agape is a sacrificial love. And you take all these loves and you combine them together and you get a sense of what Ahab is. Um, we see Ahab used over and over and over in the Old Testament. We see it used uh, in Genesis chapter 24, verse 67, describing the love of Isaac for his wife, Rebekah. We see it again in Genesis 22, 2, describing the love of Abraham for his son, Isaac. Uh, so it's not just a romantic love. It's a, it's a deep love and affection that a father may have for a son or a parent for a child. We also see it in 1 Samuel chapter 18. It describes the love that Jonathan and David had for each other. They were friends, but God said that there was, they were knit together and something about that they just loved each other deeply. It was more than just a friendship. It was a deep affection for each other. And what we see in the definition of this word is that it implies ardent and vehement inclination of the mind. So what it means is um, we've heard people say, I, I can't get you off my mind. I can't stop thinking about you, right? It's like, no, they probably can. So Sometimes I can't get cheesecake off my mind, right? <laughs> So when we hear somebody say, I can't get you off my mind, again, that's kind of a hyperbole. But what we see in a very real sense is God, is, his love for us is described with this Ahab love. If you look in, in Isaiah 43, it says, since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. So what God is saying is, I can't get you off my mind. I cannot stop thinking about you. And there's this aggressiveness that comes with this word, but then um, the second part of it, it backs off a little bit, and it says at the same time as this ardent and vehement inclination of the mind, at the same time there's this tenderness and fullness of affection. And so what we have to understand is God loves us so deeply and passionately that he wants to know us in that same way um, that, that he wants our hearts to be turned toward him. That's what he desires for us. He desires intimacy in relationship. And this is what happens in the world we live in today. Um, see, we think of friends, the, the Raya friends, and we go, oh yeah, I've got lots of friends. Look on Facebook, 3,000 friends, right? 200 people wish me happy birthday on Facebook. Look at all those friends I've got. And the difference is um, those friends are about that deep. So I, I might have 3,000 friends, but I don't have a deep relationship with any of them. But Ahab friends are people that know me deeply, and they like me anyway. And people that I know deeply, that we share our lives together. And that doesn't probably going to happen with 3,000 people. It's probably going to happen with a couple of people. Maybe a small group of people. And this is where, for us, small groups are so important. Because, let's be honest, I know a lot of people in this church, but I don't know you deeply. I know your names, I know faces, I know some facts. But, but you need to be in relationship with people where you know them deeply and they know you deeply as well. See, when we are in Raya relationships with friendships, just people, maybe another human, we don't know others deeply and they don't know us deeply. And typically, this is just 
me posturizing this, but I believe one of the reasons is we don't, we don't want to know people deeply because we might have to invest in them. Because if I know you're having issues, that might demand something from me. I might have to get involved. I might have to stand by your side while you're going through difficulty. I don't want to do that. That's hard. Right? How many of you love the phone call when they said, hey, what are you doing Saturday? Not much. What's going on? Oh, I'm moving and I need some help. No! Right? You're praying for the rapture right then. None of us want to do that. And in a very real sense, that's what it might require if we're in deep relationship with people. We help them in time of need. And let's be honest, we can be a pretty selfish people. We don't want to help people in time of need. The other part of that is they don't know us deeply. And that's good for most of us because we don't want to be vulnerable to people. We don't want people to know that we're not perfect. We don't want people to know that our lives aren't all put together, that we have weaknesses, we have insufficiencies, we have deficiencies in our life that keep us from being everything we want people to think we are. It's terrifying to think somebody might see us in a vulnerable position. And as a result of these two things, I really believe we keep people at arm's length. And we go, yes, I've got lots of friends, but they're not friends. They're just maybe a companion or maybe worse yet, just another human being. But what God wants for us is a deep friendship, this ahab kind of relationship where we can know people and be known by people and we can truly be in relationship. Is it any wonder that we're abandoned when all we have in our life are, are, are Raya relationships? When you've got thousands of friends on Facebook but nobody truly knows you, is it any wonder that we're forgotten or that we're abandoned, that people won't stand by our side in times of difficulty? Absolutely not. I would expect that. That's what Rhea friends are for, right? They're going to be friends with you as long as it's convenient for them, as long as it's beneficial for them. But Ahab friends, people that love you deeply, are going to fight for you. They're going to be on your side no matter what happens. They're the friends that are never going to abandon you. They're the friends that are never going to leave you or forsake you. This is the way God loves us, and this is what God desires for us to have in relationship with the people around us as well. See, I think this causes so much discontentment because we have all these Raya friends in our lives. And as a result, there's no depth of intimacy and relationship. There's no knowing and being known. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says this, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, I read this verse earlier. I'm coming back to it now. Um, this is interesting because the writer of Hebrews says, if you want true contentment in your life, don't worry about all the external stuff because you can never buy enough stuff to be truly content. You can never have enough money to be truly content. And you're like, maybe, but I wouldn't mind trying, right? That's why you see people win the Powerball and they're bankrupt in a few years. They're divorced and their lives are miserable. Why? Because money doesn't solve any problems. It doesn't make us content. So what the writer of Hebrews says is, if you want to find true contentment, find contentment in the fact that God is with you. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So what we have to do is understand, no matter what happens in my life, God is with me. No matter what my circumstances look like, no matter what's going on in my life, God is with me. I'm never alone. I'm never abandoned. So no matter what my paycheck looks like, no matter what my bank account looks like, no matter what um, the, the relationships in my life look like, 
at the end of the day, God is with me and God is fighting for me. He is never going to abandon me because there's an Ahab relationship there. It goes on to say, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? In Philippians 4.13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you know what he's saying there? He's not saying we can do whatever we want because God's gonna give us strength. If you look at it in context, what he's saying is, I've learned how to find contentment in all things. He says, I've learned how to be content with much and with little. Um, So, hey, I can find contentment. Do you know how I find contentment? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What he's saying is, I can find contentment and peace in the midst of trials because God is with me. And I'm telling you today, if the presence of God is with you in all things, then what in the world do you have to be afraid of? What in the world should we be nervous about or anxious about? Because at the end of the day, this world is temporary. And if God is with us, we see this in Scripture. If God is for us, who can be against us? Thank you, Ricky. <laughs> I told him to clap there, so that's perfect. Thank you, Ricky. <laughs> Matthew chapter 27. Uh, if you're like me, maybe you're a little bit contrarian. I like to argue. Uh, I like to be right. I know no one else struggles with that, but I do. And, um, and so as I think about this, and I think about these promises from God saying, I will never leave you or forsake you, I, my mind comes back to this passage in, in Matthew 27, and Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's been crucified, uh, he's been tried, convicted, and now he's being crucified. And this is toward the end of that time, and uh, he quotes a passage from Psalm 22, but he says this, Uh, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if you're like me, you read this or you hear this, and maybe it makes you a little nervous because all of a sudden we've been hearing God will never leave you or forsake you. And now we hear the Son of God say, hey God, why why have you forsaken me? Why have you forgotten about me? Why have you left me totally helpless? And it can be a little disconcerting. Jesus was quoting um, Psalm chapter 22, verse 1. Now, I'll read that to you. It says, my God, my God, and this is David speaking. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? He said, God, why have you forsaken me? You are so distant from me right now. Because I, I, I can't even see your salvation on the way. I don't even know what your plan is, God. I'm crying out to you, but I'm not even sure you hear me because you're so far away from me. That's the way I feel right now. And I think we've all probably experienced that, haven't we? God, are you near? Are you sending the cavalry for me? Because I don't see your salvation coming. Um, and, and your homework assignment is to read Psalm chapter 22. Uh, it's, it's an incredible chapter. Um, there are some scholars who believe that there are 33 different prophecies about the Messiah that are fulfilled by Jesus on the cross that are contained in Psalm chapter 22. Really interesting passage. So in Psalm 22, it starts off, and the psalmist David just says, basically, God, you have abandoned me. You've left me totally helpless. I don't see any help on the horizon. And then as you work through Psalm 22, you get to a point where he says, I don't know how you're gonna solve this, but I know you're good. And I know I know you're going to do something. I just don't know what it is, God. And so by the end of the chapter, he's giving praise to God in spite of his circumstance. 
And he's declaring that salvation is on its way. It's coming. He just doesn't know what it looks like. And in verse 30, he says, posterity shall serve him, talking about God. And what he's saying is, I don't know how this is going to end up, but history will record that God is good in spite of what happens here. (laughs) I love that. So he starts off by saying, why have you forsaken me? And then he finishes by saying, hey, you know what? I might feel forsaken, but I know God is good. And this is what we see in, in, in Christ. In the cross of Christ, God abandoned Christ. He, he turned his back on Christ. And you might be asking the question, if God would do that, how can I know he'll never forsake or abandon me? How, how can I be sure, Mel? And this is how you can be sure. See, sometimes when we look at the cross, we have an incomplete view of the work that Christ did for us there. Sometimes we look at the cross and we say, that's where my ticket to heaven got punched. So now I get to go to heaven because of what Christ did on the cross, which is true, but it's not completely true. Um, Because what we have to see is the cross wasn't just about salvation. It did the complete work in our life that we needed. So everything you need in your life, the work for that, the price for that was paid on the cross. So if today you go, Mel, I feel alone, which statistically there are people in this room that feel alone, that feel abandoned by others or maybe by God. And if you feel that way today, your feelings are valid, but I'm telling you today they aren't true. Does that make sense? So this is what you have to understand. He, he paid the price for our salvation, but he also paid the price for our healing. Scripture tells us by, by his stripes we are healed. So he paid the price for that. But what we have to see as well is that when God looks at the cross, he saw his son, and his son took on the sins and iniquity of humanity. It was poured on to Christ. So everything in our lives, all the evil, all the sin, everything was poured onto Christ in that moment. And so the very thing that would cause God to forsake us was poured onto Christ. So in that moment on the cross, when God abandoned Christ, he abandoned Christ for us. So the assurance that God will never abandon us is found on the cross when he abandoned Christ. Jesus took that on so that we can have the assurance that he will never leave or forsake us. That the promise of his Um, His presence in our life is found on the cross. When he did that to Christ, he did, Christ took that on for us. So you can know today, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God will never leave you or forsake you because Jesus paid the price for us on the cross. See, we'll never have to endure separation from him. Ever. Uh, We don't, Churches don't talk a lot about hell. And in the, the caricatures we see of hell, um, it's, you know, it's a red devil, right? And he's got a cape and a goatee, and somehow goatees are evil. He's got horns, right? This is what we think of as hell. Now, we even saw a version of hell, the, the seven circles of hell, Dante's Inferno, that, that kind of painted a picture for how a lot of people believe hell is even today. But, but this is what we have to understand. Uh, hell is not about fire. It's not about torment. It's not about gnashing of teeth. It's not about the darkness, the perpetual unending darkness. All those things are terrible. But the most 
horrific thing about hell is the perpetual separation from God and his spirit. Never ever again feeling the intimacy, that ahav love of God in our hearts and in our lives. Never experiencing that, never knowing that. Even the common grace things, the, just the good things we experience in our life, even if you're not a believer or a follower of Jesus, there's good things you experience that are because of the love of God for us. And all those things are gone because we're separated from the Spirit of God. This is what I'm telling you today. As believers, we cannot be separated from the love of Christ. God is pursuing us and chasing us down. And he's never, ever, ever, ever going to leave or abandon you. We can have that assurance today because of what Christ did for us on the cross. Maybe you're here today and you've never experienced that. You've never surrendered your life to Christ, so you've never really experienced that kind of ahab love that we've talked about today. I want you to experience that today. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment. Maybe you're here and you said, I'm a believer. I know I'm going to heaven, but man, I feel so alone. I've experienced that. I want you to know you're not alone. We want to pray with you today. We want to agree with you today and help you see that there's a God who loves you desperately and passionately. There's a group of people here at this church that want to come alongside you and encourage you and help you see that you're not in this alone. You're not going to be abandoned. You're not going to be forsaken. We're here for you. So let me pray with you right now. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful that you love us. I'm thankful today for the way you love us. You love us aggressively, ardently, fervently, but God, you love us tenderly as well. God, I pray for the people that are here that have never really experienced your love, your true love. God, I pray today would be a day of change for that. Lord, I pray that they would experience you. They would feel that, know that deeply. Lord, I pray um, that people today would surrender their lives to you, that their destinies would be changed, their lives would be made different because of what you're doing. God, I pray for the people that are here today that are struggling, that are believers, that are going to heaven, but God, they're, they're struggling with loneliness. They feel like you have abandoned them, like others have abandoned them. God, I pray today would be a day that you would break the bondage of loneliness in this place. That you would set us free from that. And you'd help people see that they are not alone and they will never be alone in you. So God, encourage this house. I pray for hope to rest here like never before as we see that we're not alone. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Mel, you know what, I'm, I'm not really following Christ, I'm not in a relationship with Christ. Maybe you've never really experienced the love of God, the ahav love of God in your life and you want to today, you want to experience that. I just want you to know he's been in hot pursuit of your soul since the beginning of time. All he wants is to know you personally and intimately and deeply. And he's just waiting on you to respond. So if you're here today and you say, Mel, I want to respond. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward. I just want to ask you to raise your hand real high where I can see it. And you can put it right back down. Is there any that would say, pray for me, Mel? I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. I want to know that love that you were talking about. Thank you. Over here on my left. Praise God. Who else would say, pray for me, Mel? I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. I want to experience that love that you were talking about. Thank you. I see you up in the balcony. Awesome. Just a few more seconds. Anyone else? 
I'd like everyone in the room to repeat this prayer with me, whether you raised your hand or not. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for paying the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, I pray that you would lead my life and direct my steps. Help me know that I'm never alone, no matter what I feel and no matter what I see. My life is yours from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, um, all you need to do, whether you raised your hand or not, we would love for you to fill the card out that's in the seat back in front of you. On one side it says salvation, on the other side it says need prayer. Fill out the side of the card that says salvation and just drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. There's two in the back of the room here, one in the balcony, and then one just outside these east doors as well. Uh, just drop that card in there, and in the next few days, one of our team is going to help you get plugged into relationships and help you take the next step. We'd love for you to experience baptisms like we had today. Uh, that'll be coming up here in, in just a few weeks. We'd love for you to be a part of that. We'd love for you to get plugged into our starting point group, get plugged into relationships. So we're going to help you take that next step. Maybe you're watching online and you'd like to respond, or maybe you're here in the room and can't reach one of the cards. You can simply text the word salvation to the number 555-888. And when you do that, we're going to respond back to you and help you take the next step in your faith journey. Again, if you responded today, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. If you need prayer today for any reason at all, what's going to happen right now is the worship team's going to lead us in a final song. And our prayer team is going to make their way forward to either side of the stage. And if you need prayer for any reason, find your way to them before you leave today. Step out from your seat and let them pray with you and agree with you in prayer. If you're here today and you feel alone, I want you to know you're not alone. Our prayer team is here to agree with you in prayer. We're going to fight for you. We're going to come alongside you and, and help you see that you are not in this thing by yourself. So let us pray with you before you leave today. And then in just a moment when we're done singing, Pastor Todd Stanley is going to dismiss us and close us out. So why don't you stand to your feet all over the room. We're going to worship together one more time before we go today, guys. I tell you this often, I miss telling you last week, but I love you more than you know. And I'm so glad that I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys.